What's up and cheers to all of y'all. God, I always <clears throat> I always do everything to procrastinate starting an episode. I don't know why. Because once I start, I'm fine. I, you know, I just go. But starting, I will find I will find 46 things that I have to fix. Before I can press record on this damn thing. I have to go to the bathroom three times. Definitely have to um, roll a joint and smoke before every episode. Uh, Make sure my drinks are in order. But then dumb shit. Also, you know, what am I going to wear? So I'm not in the same freaking shirt every time. Uh, How's my hair? Go to the bathroom a fourth time. And then weird things like, um, like, oh, sometimes I'll be like, oh, let me stretch <laughs> before. Because this is, you know, I might pull a muscle on the show. Or I'll mess around with my chair. Because it's not the perfect, I don't know, position. Anything to delay recording sometimes thank god i'm not thank god i'm on my on my own schedule i guess uh back at it here on another sunday wonder if sunday is going to be the day i try to drop this episode consistently if you've noticed there is no specific day of the week that this drops that's um not by design that's completely just me me being me i guess and not First of all, not having a regular work schedule ever. Um, it changes week to week, so I don't really have that consistency to plan for something on a weekly basis like that. But the other thing is, uh, I I don't know. I guess sometimes I don't feel like recording, and sometimes I do. Um, if I had a set schedule at work, then I probably would be a little bit more disciplined at at least recording on a specific day. Until then, we're going to roll with it. Um, two episodes ago, I had uh, put out a, a call to action, if you will, where I basically just, uh, I said that I was uh, trying to have more guests on the show. I've only had a, a couple in the past uh, year. By the way, my year anniversary of the show is coming up. <clears throat> the first episode of this show dropped February 2nd of last year. Almost there, almost a year in. Uh, I only had a couple of guests last year. I kind of, I wanted to, kinda, uh, I guess in a way, establish the podcast and I don't really mean oh make it uh you know make it a success right away or something like that. No, what I meant was just give myself time to figure out what I'm doing with the podcast, have a have the ability to show that it is something that comes out consistently, that it is, you know. I want people when I ask someone to be on a show for them to be able to look up my podcast and be like, oh okay, this is uh 
you know, it's not just something he does once every six months, you know. Um, so I wanted to to have a little bit more time in my podcast before I started, I guess, putting myself out there in a way. Uh, I mean, I I also just didn't have the balls to ask people to be on my podcast with like on episode two or something like that. Although I think that did happen. That was probably the third, but that's just Keith. That's my, my biffle. What up, Keith? So two episodes ago, I put out this uh, call to action. And then this past week, I uh, cut that clip uh, into content for, for a, a social media post. I put it on Instagram. Not really thinking much about it, but I was pleasantly surprised by the... Um, I guess the feedback to the post, uh, people reaching out both in the comments and in DMs that I was not really expecting some that I were, um, so the long story short of that, I guess, is that there are a number of possible guests in the, uh, future for this show and, as of right now, I actually have three shows or three interviews lined up to do on back-to-back-to-back days uh, this coming week. So hopefully all goes well, uh, and those three guests of mine do, um, we can make this happen. And um, I'll have some some guests on this show much sooner than later, hopefully starting with the very next episode. Now, don't get me wrong. In no way am I going to start relying or trying to get a guest here every week on a weekly basis, but I'm just totally down to to host someone here uh, much more than I was before. I feel um, much more comfortable at this than I was, I guess, starting off. Um, I also just bought some more, some more gear to, uh, to be able to do it a little bit better than I, I was able to before. So, you know, look out for that in the near future. I'm excited. It's going to be fun, hopefully. So I'll still be, you know, you'll still get your shows with just me, but every now and then we'll sprinkle in. A little guest. Honestly, we'll talk about whatever. Like, I I don't really care if you come to promote something specific or you just want to come to shoot the shit. You know, either way. Uh, I when I turned my laptop on today, it said something like, "I have a, I have an Apple." It said, "Upgrade to Sen- was it Sonoma." Why why do MacBooks always ask, or Apple in general every update is named after like some weird ass fucking place in the West Coast or something like Big Sur um Mojave wherever the fuck that is it's not just like Apple version 7 remember Windows remember it's probably still out it went from like Windows 95 to like Windows 98, I think. And now everyone was like, ooh. Then then it was like, well, let's 
let's do XP. And everybody was like, whoa, they're not even using the date anymore, the year. Windows XP. I was a Windows guy for the longest time. I was afraid of Macs. I was afraid of it because I didn't understand it. I was afraid of something because I didn't understand it. I didn't want to understand it until I finally gave in. And I love it. Apple was right. God, God damn it. That fucking Steve Jobs was right. You know, I was thinking about this um, just the other day because uh, I had an opening shift at the cafe. And when you open at the cafe, you get the most calls. You're basically customer service. Um, I answer easily about in the morning. I want to say 20 to 40 calls, maybe 50 calls, give or take, depending, you know, what's going on. And um, <laughs> I always get really, I love when someone's like, hey, quick question. And then the question's not quick at all. Hey, quick question. So my parents immigrated to this country in 1942. It was a cold winter day. Like, whoa, what is... So I was wondering, are there, are, are there any tickets left to the 845 show? Hey, quick question. Chapter one. I was born. On a fall night, stars were out. Chapter 42. So are there any tickets left for tonight? Whenever they start telling me like, hey, so uh, I was planning on coming in. In my head, immediately, I'm like, go faster. Skip this. Cut this all out. Edit it out of this. You should have... You should have envisioned this moment before you ever even spoke to me. Edit out all the crap. That's just take away all the fluff and then approach me with a actual, an actual quick question. Hey, quick question. Are there any tickets left tonight? Bam. That's a quick question. Not, hey, quick question. So I was planning on already lied to me. Already lied. Hey, quick question. It's my wife's birthday tomorrow. Not a question. Unnecessary information. I don't give a fuck. Quick question. If you say, hey, quick question, the next sentence out of your mouth better be the question or you're a liar. That's because you, you put forth this notion that what you're about to do is quick and that it will be a question. Hey, quick question, and then you don't. Why, 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 why set yourself up as a liar like that? Just don't even, hey, I have a question. It would be even better because then I'm at least not under the uh, assumption that it's going to be quick. But you set yourself up. Hey, quick question. And then far from it. 
You pissed me off. That was such a random thing that, that I had on my on my chest. But I just had to put out there. I had to get that out. I'm sorry. But, you know, I use you guys as therapy, you know? So, and by therapy, I mean I just make you listen to me for an hour a week. A lot of people are in therapy. I'm learning. Or maybe it's just that a lot of comedians are in therapy. That would maybe make more sense. Because I am hearing that a lot. Ah. So, as I crack open beer number two, still working on my Christmas beers. Uh, that makes it sound like I was just gifted a lot of beer for Christmas. It was, for the, for those of you that are not, I guess, that close to me. My birthday was Christmas. And uh, I had a little shindig. Still have beer left over from that party, chilling outside. I love when the weather... Well, first of all, I hate the cold weather. But I love when the weather's cold enough, at least because I can leave stuff outside that I don't want to put in the refrigerator. Like beer. There's a lot of beer left over. So there was. I don't know how much is left now. The... It's... Did you guys see that the... The Bills game got, like, delayed to Monday because the weather was just so bad. I don't... I I haven't gone to a Jet game in forever because I'd only want to go in, like, October or something, the beginning of the season. And not now. Well, first of all, it's impossible to go during the playoffs because I'm a Jet fan. But, like, late in the season... When I have seen, like, my friends go to a, a Jet game, you know, someone at work was like, oh, you wouldn't go to, like, a Jet game late in the season. I was like, what? You're asking me if I would go to East Rutherford, New Jersey to sit in MetLife Stadium to watch one of the historically worst teams in the history of the NFL Finish the season. Finish another losing season. You're talking to someone that will grub hub a bacon, egg, and cheese because he doesn't want to walk to the deli. He doesn't want to walk to the bodega at the corner because it's too cold. And you're asking me if I would go watch a Jet game in fucking December. Unless it was one of those... Unless I knew... My girlfriend just died outside. And I'm such a professional that I'm not even gonna ask her if she's okay. I'm a bad boyfriend, but a professional podcaster. Oh, no, wait. My my resolution was don't piss her off. So, are you okay? Are you okay? What happened? Wow, I asked her what happened, and the first word out of her mouth is our cat's name. COVID jumped on the counter and the plate fell. Okay, I bet you he wasn't even near the plate. Okay. Immediately blames the cat. I wasn't near. You weren't even near the plate. He was trying to 
Wait, wait. Did you do that thing where you leave a plate on the edge of a table? That, that, that wasn't a question. <laughs> she, this is so weird. She, I've never seen someone more obsessed with doing this. She'll take a, a plate, a cup, whatever, and let's say this is my the, the hand is my table. She'll put it on the edge, like this, instead of just firmly, like securely in the middle of a table. And I'm like, what is? What game is this? What? Why would the? You're such a risk taker. Why? And I know it's exactly what happened out there. Because as soon as she, all I heard was a commotion. Clang, 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 clang. You saw, I was trying to be professional and ignore that shit. But no, I decided to be a good boyfriend. Be like, what the fuck is that? And uh, the first thing she said was Kopi. My cat's name is Coochie Kopi, named after Louise's favorite toy in Bob's Burgers. Actually, funny story behind that. When we first got him, we were trying to think up of a name and... I was outside smoking and like just brainstorming and I started trying to think of maybe uh, I've never had a pet named after uh, like a sports team or, or a player. So I started thinking like, eh, I don't really like the name Metsy or something like that or Jet. <laughs> Nick, Nikki, nah, Nick. Imagine I, I'm like, oh, that's Nick. That's a weird name for a cat. Well, it's funny. Our first name, our first guy's named Adriana. But that's after Adriana Laserva from The Sopranos. Um, I This is after Kobe had passed. And I had thought like, oh, Kobe. I love the name Kobe. I didn't know that I was going to say Kobe at the end of every episode when I would eventually start my podcast. But uh, I am a, a Kobe fan. But I, I swear I had this thought. Because at this point we had had the cat... We had had this little kitty, I don't know, maybe a day or two. But he had a... Both of our cats are just strays that we lured in from our backyard. We did not have to look very far for our cats. Literally turned around and we're like, these will do. Addie came first and the next next year um, we lured in Kopi. Uh, so we had already been familiar with him in our backyard for at least, I don't know, a couple of weeks. And, uh, so we knew, you know, we kind of knew his personality and, and by this point we had him in the house at least a day or two. So we got to know his personality even more. Very, very cool, very chill, but also very like, (laughs) I I like calling him derpy. I don't even know what that really means, but when I look at him, that's what I feel. He's, he's, I love him. He does, he just doesn't strike me as the sharpest kitty, you know? He doesn't like strike, strike me as a, a smart cat. I don't know. Love him. Love him. And to me, Kobe Bryant is one of the most intelligent basketball players of all time. Perhaps one of the most intelligent people that, you know, in, in, in general, underrated in in his intelligence outside of the game, perhaps. Known as like a killer and an assassin on the court. And when I looked at this little derpy looking, clumsy, pudgy little cat, I'm like, that's not <laughs> what I'm seeing in, in you, little buddy. So, I don't know. 
but then Kobe was so close to Kopi, and I thought of Kuchi Kopi, and it's this little. Actually, I probably did. I talk about this in an episode before, then bring in the Kuchi Kopi before. I feel like I, I did this at an episode before, but whatever. That's what happens when you do. 47 of these, I think I'm up there. So, yeah, we named him Kuchi uh, Kopi because he was too dumb to be Kobe Bryant. <laughs> There's definitely someone at home being like, is he telling this story again? I literally, The moment I was about to go and get the Kuchi Kopi, I was like, wait a second, I might have done this already. Huh. Oh, well. I have new shelf space to my left that I didn't have before because, oh my God, I I haven't talked about this. Ugh, my, I have not worked so hard in years. So last week, I talked about Val's vanity that came in and how heavy that shit was to, to get in and how FedEx wouldn't bring help me bring it into the, the apartment or whatever. Putting that together, though, it was so heavy because, like, the wood was so solid, but also because most of it was, most of it was already put together. It, I had to do some assembly, but it didn't feel that bad. The, the, the worst part was actually just getting the boxes in and then unpackaging it or unboxing them because it, it, everything was just so heavy. Besides that. Putting it together wasn't that bad. But then, a couple of days later, Val was uh, gifted something by a some other brand. And it's like, I'm looking at it right now. It's taunting me. It's it's just this these cabinets. Like, these, like, slide out. You know, I'm just going to, like, turn the camera backstage. This, that cabinet, well, first of all, here's the vanity, a little, little view at it, it's fucking huge, but anyways, that right there. If you, for my YouTubers, they got to see it, if you didn't get to see it. Follow me on YouTube. Uh, so, for those listening, I literally just got up, grabbed my my video, my camera, which is basically my phone. Basically, it is my phone. I grabbed my camera, my phone, and t- brought it to this drawer-looking cabinet system because it looks so unassuming. It's seven drawers that just come out slide in slide out slide in and slide out and here's the thing it came in a like completely flat (laughs) or almost flat actually was it flat or was it a box i don't know i don't remember but anyways the thing about this seven drawer cabinet system whatever i have never seen a piece of 
furniture or I don't know whatever you call like whatever you call drawers and cabinets and and desks or whatever. I've never seen a piece of furniture come less assembled than that fucking thing staring at me from across the room right there. They they literally just cut the wood and then sent me every piece of wood and 47 fucking million screws and said, here you go. Have at it. They gave us a little fucking hand, um, like a screwdriver. We didn't have drills here. We have two separate drills here because I am a fucking man, obviously. And only real men have to tell you that they are a real man while flexing their muscles that they don't have. So now you know I'm a real man with, with two drills that I bought on Amazon Prime. And um, if I didn't have those drills, I would still be putting those cabinets together to this day. To this day! Let me talk to you. Yeah! It took like four hours, four and a half hours maybe. Dude, I... It was... I remember... I was supposed to have the day off of work, but the night before I agreed to take up uh, to cover my my buddy. Uh so I had to go into work later that night. But I was off. I think was I no, I opened the day before. So I was home pretty early and I fell asleep so early. And I woke up like at <coughs> excuse me. I woke up like at six, six thirty, cause cause my girl woke up really early and I just woke up with her basically. And I thought maybe I would go back to sleep, but she got these cabinets and was like so eager to put them together and she opened it up and she thought she was going to do it herself, <laughs> which by the way, ha, but yeah, she thought she was going to do it herself unless that was her plan. Her plan was I'm going to pretend to, to put this together myself and undoubtedly this stupid boyfriend of mine will just feel guilty and be like, fuck it, I'll do it myself. Because that's exactly what happened. Evil, little Russian evil genius over there. This That evil Russian genius on the other side of that door gets her boyfriend to put together an entire fucking uh, fucking studio for her out of guilt, and then blames our cats for dropping plates during my recordings. Fucking, that's next level evil genius intellect type shit. I I woke up at six something thinking maybe I'll just go to the bathroom and be able to catch another couple of hours of sleep because I'm not going into work till like five. And I'm not getting out till like three at best. And do you know what it is to wake up at six in the morning when you know you're not going to get home till four in the morning the next day? Like, what is the point of that? And I got up at six thinking maybe I could get another two hours of sleep at least. And then I walk into the studio and it's just 
There's nothing but boards everywhere. And and a, a row, a bag, like three feet long of just screws. And I'm like, what is all this? She's like, these are the cabinets. I'm like, what? Where is, there isn't a single cabinet in sight. It's just all wood. Wooden screws. I had to put every piece of that cabinet together. Every piece of wood, every drill, every screw that goes in, the every what is that rail <coughs> so that the the drawers can slide in and out. There was nothing that came assembled on that fucking thing over there. We'll go back six something. I was not done with that thing till like eleven something. And I knew that that shit was hard because my girlfriend has never been nicer to me in our entire relationship. She was getting, it was so early. Had it been like my day off and later on, she would have been like, do you want a beer? Do you want a sandwich? But it was the morning. It was fucking 6.30 to 11 something in the morning. So she was like, do you want a coffee? Do you want another coffee? Do you want a do you want a breakfast? You know, breakfast bowl. Do you want this? She's she offered me more things in four hours than she has in the three years that we've been together. And you know what? I didn't even really want those coffees, and I wasn't even really hungry. But I was like, yes to everything, because you know what? That thing was pissing me the fuck off. It wasn't really pissing me off. It was just really like it was. It was. I had to be really patient. I had worked on it for two hours, and I didn't see a single cabinet in sight still. All I saw was just more wood, just nailed into other wood. Nothing was making sense to me. I just kept, I just kept reading the instructions going like, all right, I'll do, I'll do it if you fucking say, if that's what you say, but this, this does not look like anything to me right now. And then little by little. She, she pretty, she literally watched, I think she felt so bad that she was like, I'm going to stay here and like watch him suffer so that he knows I'm here supporting him. Cause I think she thought of like, she just walked away and did her own. Like if you, oh my God, if, if she would have just walked away and started playing, you know, some, uh, virtual reality game. Cause I just bought her the, the, the VR set for Christmas. Or if she would have been reading one of her fucking house of mist and rain books that she loves while I'm here fucking putting together a cabinet like I'm working on the atom bomb. I'm glad she sat and fucking watched me do that shit for five hours. She saw. She's never been nicer to me. Unless she was like on Molly. (laughs) I could have asked for seven coffees. I really wanted beer, but like, I mean, like I said, it was six and I had work in um, 11 hours. <laughs> I was so mad at the end that the cabinet didn't hover and, and teleport or something drive. That was so annoying. And then I started thinking, 
what a life I have where the hardest thing I've done in months is put together a, a, a cabinet with seven drawers. The audacity that I have to bitch about stuff. But you know what? I am an audacious person. That's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. It's funny. I thought I was going to talk about like something specific today. And I have just literally, what is this, 30 minutes in? This is just random shit. I'm sorry. I thought I was going to give you guys a focused episode today. I even had an idea for an episode. I, I All my notes are right here. Nope. Uh, I got distracted. And I just kind of go with it. So whatever. Fuck it. I do it live. I do it live, damn it. I just reached for water and I'm like, I don't want water. How are you guys doing with your dry January? I, do you like that I ask questions to people that can't answer? I'm not taunting people that are on dry January. I get it. I respect it, I guess. It's like religion. Not for me, but if it works for you, I support it. But me? Nah. That's all it is. Dry January. Just like religion. If it works for you, congratulations. Me? I like the drinking. I am, on a weekly basis here, I am the poster child for sober people to never go back, I feel. Uh, he is such an idiot. In fact, half of my following are people that are living a sober life because they view me as inspiration to never be like me ever again. I am the inspiration that sober people need. So look to me as I drink and strive to do better. Because I know you can. I know you can. Do you want to know what I was going to talk about? I could probably still talk about it, right? Maybe not all of it. I I was going to talk about 35 minutes into the episode. Let's just call that the intro. That was the intro to my episode, you know? Um, I was sitting down somewhere with my thoughts. <laughs> Actually, I don't really remember where I was. But I was thinking that I have had a, a the I guess we've all, most of us have had a weird array of jobs that we've had throughout our life, right? I'm guessing. I guess mine, well, my first one was out there, and then I kind of got normal, I guess, after that. I, because I, I definitely worked retail, like a lot of young people out there. I worked at Old Navy, at Gap, at Coach, at Paragon Sports, but 
that none of those, none of the retail jobs, none of them was uh, the first job I ever had. I know hmm, I had probably gotten paid for like odd things here and there before this, but I'm pretty sure that my first job ever was at a drag queen restaurant. Yeah. Now, you can argue that my first job ever was the week right before that. See, I was, hmm, how old was I? I think I was maybe 19. Is it eight? No, uh, let's see. I remember that I had, I, I'm pretty sure I had gone to John Jay for a year. And I was transferring out of John Jay um, and into Stony Brook University because I wanted a dorm. So I was going to be in Stony Brook starting my sophomore year. And I think that summer. Yeah, I didn't have like a real job till I was out of high school. I never had a clock in, work clock out job when I was in high school. But right out of high school, uh, I did a year in John Jay College. And then that summer, my mom at the time, she was working at this hair salon on uh, like right in Midtown, like 51st something, maybe like 50 something in Lex, you know, or something like that. It was a nice area. It was called, uh, I think it was called Pierre Michel, or is that the fucking, is that the brand of fucking uh, shampoo? Um Pierre Michel Salon. Yeah, this was it. Uh, Pierre Michel Salon was on 57th and 3rd. It is <laughs> it is now closed. Uh, I'm not sure if it survived the pandemic, but when I was, let's see, when I went into high school, uh, excuse me, college, I was uh, I had just turned 18 actually. Or actually, I was. I started college at 17, technically, and then 18. So, yeah, I think I was 18 at this point. That summer, I was 18. And my mom was working at Pierre Michel Hair Salon. And it was a very upscale hair salon where they had their own in-house catering service of sorts. You know, they had, um, you know, coffee or even like champagne that could be brought to the clients while they're getting their haircut, hair styled, hair colored. Um, I don't remember. They might've had uh, even manicures and pedicures. I don't really remember. Don't quote me on that part. My mom worked as part of the catering company that was inside of Pierre Michelle. Michelle. I don't know if it was a separate catering company. I think they just hired like, you know, they just had their own, uh, People there selling anything, coffee, uh, drinks, snacks, food. Like she used to bring home like these uh, chocolate croissants, like croissants with little pieces of chocolate inside of them. I didn't know that existed until she worked at that hair salon. It was amazing. I was like, wow, this is what rich people eat. This is incredible. I'm in. Sign me up. How do I do it? Make more money? Fuck. All right. 
In fact, the only reason I do anything in life, yes, it's to get more money and to get rich. But why? Because I want those chocolate croissants in my life on a daily basis. That's the only reason why I want to get rich. It's because I had a taste of the rich. And it tasted like French buttery pastry surrounding a rich cocoa bean blast of flavor in your mouth. Okay? That's why I do this. Not not for self-worth. Not for, you know, supporting the ones I love. No. It's for chocolate croissants, man. So she worked at this hair salon, and it was the summer, and she had heard that they needed a, or they were hiring a, someone to work at the salon to do all the, the, the messy stuff, you know, like a a lot of sweeping, uh, a lot of, uh, I, I don't really know what the title was. Um, but you know, sweeping garbage, uh, I don't really remember much that I did. My so my mom got me. And she was like basically like they've she had worked there for a year or two. They, she'd she'd always talked about me at the salon. I knew this because the moment that I came in, every fucking hairstylist knew who I was. Uh, or the moment I told them, well, <laughs> I would just tell them my name. But then whenever they found out that I was a. Uh, her son, they would be like, oh, oh, some people even ask, like, wait a second, are you, they just, I don't know, knew. I remember my mom told me to come in just wearing all black and be ready to work. And I come in wearing all black, ready to work. But I came in, at the time, Lacoste polos were like so fucking in, dude. Remember Lacoste polos? Remember wearing those? I I used to have a bunch in high school. It was it was definitely they they definitely had a comeback around the early two thousands. Everyone everyone had Lacoste polos. I was such a douchebag that I was one of those people that wore two Lacoste polos at the same time with the collar popped, and I'd have like a black Lacoste polo. Um, over a white Lacoste polo so that you could see a black and white collar pop. Dude, I was so... Oh, I apologize for who I was 20 years ago. I really do. I really do. It's probably because I went to St. Francis Prep. St. Francis Prep is like the epicenter of douchey polos with popped collars. At least it was in 2003 to 2006. Well, I graduated 2005, but I was still doing the Lacoste polos in 2006. So I had a black Lacoste polo. Instead of coming in with like a black t-shirt and black jeans, I came in with a black Lacoste polo, black like slacks, like, like, you know, like not even like baggy, like fitting and black shoes that were shined. And I, at that time I had short gelled hair. It, a lot of people would call me like it called it the Gotti, and not because of uh, <laughs> the mob boss, but at that time, growing up Gotti, a reality TV show about John Gotti's fucking children and his like wife, was one of the biggest hits on TV. And they 
the kid had like a gelled spiked hair look where every hair was going in like a different direction, but it would it looked like it was done by accident but on purpose kind of. That's what I had. I had this gelled hair where every hair was going in like a different direction. Not like a punk rocker, but like I'm telling you, like 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 growing up Gotti, you know, like a like a little mob boss kid. So I, I came in and I'm working with people who um are wearing, you know, fucking tattered black shirts and, and dirty jeans and, and black sneakers or whatever. And I'm here looking, you know, with a Lacoste polo, some fucking slacks and the shoes. And I'm doing the same job that they are, right? I was there like two days. On the second day, I'm sweeping hair at uh, this hairstylist section. His name was Olivier. And he was this like tall blonde hair French French dude. And uh I swear to God, it this sentence is, is like ingrained in my mind. He goes, he goes, Ju, Ju, I love your style. You cannot work here. And I was just like, What? Okay. I mean, I guess I am. I I you know, I like I, I need money, you know. And he's uh He's just looking me up and down, looking at my. He's like, "I love your hair. I love your your. I love your style." I like I said, I was just wearing black Lacoste polo, slack, maybe some Calvin Klein slacks, some leather shoes, and spiked gelled hair. And he was just like, he literally said, "I love this." I, he just immediately was like, "Yes, I objectify you. I love it. I love it. Yes, yes. This is working for me." Ashante, yes, I love it. You cannot work here. He's like, look, come with me to my home. I will take you to my boyfriend. I know. Immediately, you're like, whoa, this is, are you, what does he want to do with you? <laughs> Relax. He's like, he just uh, bought a restaurant and he needs an assistant. You, you will be perfect. You cannot work here. You work for him. I promise you it will be more money. And I go, oh, that sounds kind of cool, but my mom just got me this job. I don't know, like, how she would feel. She's like, your, your mother? Your mother got you this job? Who is your mother? And I was like, oh, um, Irma, she does the... And she was like, Irma? Irma is your mother? Oh, okay. Perfect. No, say less. That's it. I I love her. She is like my mother. I love her. He he. I didn't know that my mom adopted a you know thirty eight year old uh, gay French hairstylist as a second son. But she had him, and and apparently he he just loved me because we had the same mother. And he got so excited, and at that that moment right there, he he I he fucking took the broom out of my hand. He was like, "Stop, stop sweeping!" And he walked with me. He like walked me over to my mom because my mom and I were working at the same place for two days. And he walks me over to my mom while she's making someone like an iced fucking latte or something, and like puts me under his arm. And she goes, "Irma, this is your son." 
And she's like, yeah, 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 that's my son. She's like, why you not tell me? And he immediately was like, look, I'm going to get him a job with my boyfriend and more money. And my mom like immediately just looked at me and was like, whatever he says, fucking do it. I was not expecting that. I thought my mom was going to be like, well, you know, this job is a sure thing. I don't know what's going on. No, my mom was just like, I love this man. I trust him. Whatever he says, do it. And so I had this job now for a day and a half. And he told me to go, you know, actually, no, I, I was like, so like, what do I tell? And I forgot who the hell my, my, my boss was at the time. He said, don't worry about that. I'll tell them. So essentially, this dude quit my job for me two days in. Like, he was like, I'm going to talk to the manager. I'm going to tell him that you don't work here anymore. And I finished my day of work on that day because I'm not a piece of shit. I'm not an asshole. And the next day, he told me to meet him right there at at where I used to work for 48 hours, or not 40 hours, but for, for two shifts. He's like, come meet me right here. And during his lunch break, we'll go visit his boyfriend at these restaurants, plural. I think I didn't mention, I don't think I mentioned, he bought three restaurants at once. And he needed an assistant we go during Olivier's lunch break to, well, first of all, that was funny. I had I had worked there for two days. I come in the next day not wearing all black, wearing, I don't know, some type of button down. And, and I, I was in a, whatever my 20, no, not even, whatever my 19-year-old job interview outfit was, which I wish I could remember what it was. It was probably so terrible, but whatever. It worked for the time. I come in. The, the person that trained me to do the job the last, like, two days ago was like, oh, you're not, I heard you're done already. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, why are you here? And I'm like, oh, I'm with that guy. <laughs> and Olivier, I say hi to my mom. I say bye to my mom. And Olivier takes me in a cab. Like, literally, we go from Pierre Michel Hair Salon and takes me in a cab. And we go um, downtown. I... At this point, I know is about, about as much as as you do. I have not given you many details about what's going on or like what the, what kind of restaurants it was, what the, what the job entailed really, because I didn't know anything really either. Really. He took me down to uh two bank street. That was the old address of this place. Well, that was the block. It was uh downtown in a, in a really great area. And I remember walking up, like we got out of the cab and we got out of this Italian restaurant called Artie Pasta. I don't know. I don't even know if Artie Pastas are still around. We should, let's see. We should Google that, huh? Um, we got out of um, the cab and we walk into this cozy, not huge, but, you know, not not too small either. It, yeah, Artie Oh wait, Artie Cafe? Did they rename it the Artie Cafe or is it is that what 
because I'm only seeing Artie Cafe. No, that's not it. Maybe Artie Pasta closed down. Um, we got out at this at the cabin. We walk into Artie Pasta. It was this Italian restaurant downtown, and I sit down at one of the tables with Olivier, and he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna go get uh, Edward. What's his name? Edward Lafay." And he go, go goes to get him, and uh, Edward was was really nice, really professional. Um, they were the Olivia and Edward, like they they're one of those couples that like it's almost like uh, I don't want to say opposites attract kind of thing, but they were they're very yin and yangish, you know one. One was a, a French, you know, kind of flamboyant hairstylist. The other one was just a, uh, an American, uh, just uh, straightforward businessman, you know. Um, but together they worked really well. I'm pretty. Sure, I'm actually pretty sure they're still together to this day. To this day. And I had uh, uh, this interview with Edward. Uh, excuse me. Yeah, with Edward. Edward Lafay. And. Um, it was, I believe, the first job interview I was ever on, and it only it didn't last too long, and I was hired on the spot. And he explained to me how he owns two restaurants on this block on that block alone, and that the other restaurant was around the corner. The entrance of it was around the corner, but that the two of them, um shared like a back of house area because uh they both connected in the back uh so like the italian restaurant was on one side of the block you walk around the corner there's the other restaurant's entrance and the two of them had like a similar back of house area so his office was in the back and he had immediate access to both restaurants on that block i got hired while being interviewed in the italian restaurant and he was he was a busy man, so he he left and he asked Olivier to give me a tour, I guess, of the rest of the place. And so we walk around the Italian restaurant, we walk to the back, we walk to the offices, and I'm like, hey, this looks like a pretty standard Italian restaurant, whatever. And then he's like, and now we will walk this way, and we will uh, enter the other restaurant, and we walk, you know, not. Not through the front entrance, but through the back, you know, the, the back hallways or whatever. And suddenly I walk out and I I see just this completely opposite looking establishment from what I was just in. Artie Pasta was just a a nice, cozy, classy looking Italian spot. And then, you know, it was like white walls, you know, like it was like regular, you know, it wasn't anything crazy. Then I walk into this other restaurant, dude, the walls were like f- bright pink, fuchsia, purple. Um, There was glitter everywhere. There was, there was like lips plastered all over every wall. And I was like, what the heck? And I asked Olivier, I go, what kind of a restaurant is this? And <laughs> I think that his response meant that 
Because I don't think he was this... Uh, I think he understood my question. But he gave me an answer that kind of skirted around the real answer. Because I was very confused. And I said, what kind of restaurant is this? And he goes, oh, you know... They do like a Mexican food, like hamburgers, frankfurters, uh, French fries, stuff like that. Um, and this guy had just gotten me a job that um, I remember they discussed, or Edward discussed my pay immediately. I was going to get 500 bucks a week off the books, so no tax. And for someone that like never had a job before, that was, I was rich. Okay? That's, I I was like, I'm, you know, I'm going to take care of my entire family now. You know? Pay for my own college, whatever. Anyways. I... I wasn't going to question shit. I was like, all right, cool. American uh, burgers and hamburgers uh, and, and, and hot dogs, no doubt, whatever. And they actually put me to work that same day. And the first thing I had to do was go downstairs. And I, it was honestly some simple like filing. But the filing downstairs was not like in an office. This restaurant had two floors. Downstairs was an area that was only open on weekends because um, that's where they would have like private events or bigger or bigger events or whatever, maybe ticketed events. Uh, upstairs was like a, a regular restaurant, but I would come to learn later that they would put on shows every week. I go downstairs, and it's a part of the restaurant that's just not going to be used. And I'm here filing some shit, just a new kid doing, I'm 19 doing, I don't know, paperwork. And um, I remember at one point, well, actually, now that I remember, I was not the first person down there. I was told to file that I would be, I, the first time I went down there, I was shown what to do, but then we went back upstairs and like, there was more of the tour that went on and there's some, you know, pictures on the wall. And, and I, I just, I was so young and so naive. I didn't know what the fuck kind of restaurant I was in. But like I said, I just started, I just literally was told I'm going to make the most money I've ever made in my life at age 19. <laughs> I mean, I make more money now, but I mean, like at the time I was rich. So I'm just going to, you know, not question any of this. And after the tour is done or whatever, they're like, I right, go back downstairs. Olivia's like, go back downstairs and, and, and do your, your, the filing that, that they talked about and blah, blah, blah. I go downstairs and the first thing I see is this half naked I'm going to say 300 pound person that he was, uh, he had a somewhat of a hairy chest because he was bare chested wearing like nylon stockings and applying makeup 
to his face. And I stopped right in my tracks and was like, what the heck? And, and he looks at me. And without hesitation, he goes, oh, hey, you must be the new guy. My name's Patty. First name, all beef. And suddenly, I realized, oh, I work at a drag queen restaurant. Wow. And I was there for the entire summer. It was my first summer job. Um, it was the first, you know, like, like I said, I, I technically worked with my mom at the hair salon for two days and then started working at what is still to this day, to this day, known as Lips. There's really only two drag queen restaurants in the city that have uh, been around for a long time that have a great reputation. It's Lips and there's a spot called Lucky Chang's, which is right right by 101, first and first. And I didn't know that I just got hired to a, a, a pretty iconic drag queen location. And I truly feel like that job molded a lot of what of the type of person that I ended up becoming. Because in one summer, yeah, I remember this is 2006. I'm 19. And the, uh, the understanding, the education, the, even the acceptance of not just the uh, the gay and lesbian the the LGB community was still there were still a lot of uh, strides that had to be made, but when you start getting to the the past the LGB and get to the 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 LG uh, the T the Q um, the I the A the plus no, most people had very little idea about trans culture, trans society, about um, drag culture, drag society. I mean, RuPaul's Drag Race was another decade away, at least from, from starting, I believe. Imagine I'm wrong and it was out at the same time. <laughs> I swear to God. RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, so I was this 19-year-old kid that... Really, 2009. Okay, well, I started three years after this. Um, after I got hired at this spot. I, uh, I really didn't know much about drag queen life or any of that stuff. And All Beef Patty was like the queen bee, the, the big mama of the crew. I remember other people like Regine and Misty. The bartender was Frankie Cocktails. Um, they were all very, just very sweet to me, very nice. 
Uh, and I immediately, I don't know immediately, but I very quickly felt very comfortable there. And yeah, I remember this is a time when, I mean, you know, Eminem's dropping F-bombs 40 times in his album, you know, and and no one was when he was protested against it none of us were like yeah they're kind of right we're like yeah whatever get over, get over it now he doesn't even drop that word anymore like that's not that's not okay um i i remember uh i remember my thing in high school was uh because i had a i i was literally the dude that whose girlfriend went to another school like that's that's a trope of when someone's making up a fake girlfriend that was me though like i had i i legitimately had a girlfriend that went to another school i feel like every time that one of my friends met her they were like oh shit she's real so i was called gay a lot for that for for I felt like I was making up a girlfriend and I had a bunch of just female friends, mostly for, for the early part of, of high school or whatever. And I remember thinking that every time that I'm called gay, I'm just not going to push back or fight back against it. Cause I just think that that's, um, that was an insult to gay people. It's the same reason that I'm not the type of person that if someone called me, um, Mexican or Dominican or Ecuadorian or Guatemalan. I don't, I'm not the type that's ever going to react like, hell no, man. I'm fucking Colombian, man. I'm fucking Puerto Rican. You know, I'm half and half. I never reacted negatively to being, uh, for some, for when someone assumed that I was a different type of Hispanic background. I'm just like, no, nah, I'm not Mexican. I'm actually, um, Colombian. My mom's Colombian. My dad's Puerto Rican. Uh, funny enough, I do have my family's full. We have Mexican, we have uh, Puerto Rican, we have Dominican, we have Peruvian, we have we all types of Hispanics. So you know, beyond that, we have Irish, we have Chinese, we have uh, you know white, whatever. Born here, third generation. We have some. So like, we don't really discriminate, anyways. I would never get upset when someone thought I was a different. Uh, from some that my family grew up somewhere else because I then what then it's insulting to be Mexican it's insulting to be Peruvian it's insulting to be Guatemalan no it's not I'll just I'll correct you but I won't be insulted by it and I, I took the same line of thinking with being called gay and I was like I'm not gonna be insulted by being called gay I'll just I'll correct you and even then I'm not gonna lie I didn't even always correct him I was like I just didn't care Um, that's as far as my, I don't know, understanding or empathy towards the gay community went for, you know, how limited I was with my knowledge in high school as a, you know, 17 year old, I graduated at 17, went to John Jay for a year when I turned 18 and then got this job at Lips. So at least I went into it into this job with a very open mind. You know, I was, I def, I actually didn't realize how much, how not homophobic I was until this job. Cause, um, so I was educated on, on drag culture a lot. And, uh, these drag Queens would come like kind of go out of their way to teach me what, 
the job is like and what it means or whatever. And, and I remember having specific conversations at the time with some of them where they were saying how dra- they're teaching me the difference between like drag queens or, or doing drag and versus, um, you know, just trans being gay or being transgender or being like, they were breaking down things for me before it ever was so much uh, more of a focus like it is now. I feel like now, now 19 year olds, now 18 year olds are way more aware of, of um, not just gay and lesbian culture, but uh, drag culture of trans uh, culture or, or just of knowledgeable about it in general. Whereas if you would have said something like, transgender woman to me when I was 18, I would have no really idea what you're talking about. It was this job that, that started me. It gave me a little bit of a head start because I, I was in, I, I was literally working at one of the, the most, well, one of the only drag queen restaurants in, in the city. And it's it's well known, and it's still out. It's still active to this day. It's still um, in business. They change locations, but they they are still going. And I believe they even have locations now in like three or four other cities. So they're doing very well. I am. Um, I remember. I remember at the time, one of the uh, drag queens there had actually undergone sex change surgery maybe a year prior and was, you know, still, you know, t- taking the estrogen pills every day. Um, and she was one of the people that was very kind to me in pretty much walking me through, like grabbing me by the hand, theoretically, metaphorically, and and walking me through uh, everything I didn't know about about just drag life and and what I would realize was trans life <clears throat> because uh, I was told like early on that a drag queen is you know a, a man that dresses up as a woman every now and then and performs and whatever and blah blah. I, I that's literally what someone told me that that what one of the drag queens themselves told me on like my first or second day. And um then I I think it was hmm, you know I'm not going to say the name of the drag queen cuz I'm not I, I it was I was so long ago that I I don't want to mix up names. But this drag queen that had uh, just gone through the surgery uh, told me like, Oh, like she was taking these pills and, and she was like, Oh, I got to take my estrogen pills, you know, and was just very open about why she's taking them. And, and I mean, you know, she would tell me like, look, you see this, like I'm still, I still have to shave every day or I have a five o'clock shadow, but the more I take this, the less I'll have to do it. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, You know, Definitely had the, the 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 physique of a you know of what you would call a man at birth for sure still, but you know was 
definitely much more feminine, I guess, than I guess a year or two before. And a couple of days later, maybe even a couple of weeks later, I learned that um, she was dating one of the other staff members. It was like um, like one of the members of the kitchen who was just this regular, you know, cisgendered dude. And when when they were to, when I learned about their relationship, I it was because she told me herself, like well during lunch or whatever, and I was like, oh, I remember I remember saying this. This is a very uh, educational moment for me, and it's it was a, a kind of a pivotal moment for me. I remember saying out loud, I was like, oh, I didn't know so and so was gay, and this drag queen looked at me. And was like, oh, no, sweetie, he's not gay because I'm a woman. I'm not a man. And that's when I realized, like, oh, you know, the, the, the surgery, the pills, it, it, whatever stage you are in in your transition, in your in your in your headspace about what you identify as it's not really it, it it's not on me to define it's on you it's what you feel it's what the other person feels or whatever the moment that that she said that to me i remember feeling like oh of of course like and i remember apologizing and she was so cool about it she was like no 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 it's okay sweetie this is how you learn this is how this is how you will grow up to be even better. And she was right because I was 19 kind of putting my foot in my mouth in a way. And instead of uh instead of pouncing on me, instead of uh making me feel uh negative about it, she saw it as an, a moment where she can educate and enlighten And look, of course, the fact that I was a 19-year-old fucking teenager at the time, a kid, she took that in and and just reacted so, to this day, to this day, I remember that moment so clearly because I, I feel like it could have been a moment that would have gone, could have gone so bad. It could have been a very embarrassing it could have been a very embarrassing moment for me, a very, I don't know, in some sort of small way, even traumatizing. But instead, I look at it as an important, educating, enlightening, positive moment in my life where where I, <laughs> uh, I love that the alarm goes off at the, it, is that Kopi's fault too? Oh my God. Great, great. This is awesome. So the moment that I get to the, the most heartfelt part of my episode, the the alarm goes off. No, no, it's okay. Are you okay? What? She's mad. She's mad. Are you on fire? 
<laughs> what did the cat do? That's definitely Kopi's fault. Kopi probably jumped on the stove and turned on, you know, turned it on to high or whatever. But anyways, I digress. This moment was a, a very enlightening and educating moment for me. And um, the reason that it is a positive moment in my life is because of how positive she reacted to me. She wasn't pissed. She wasn't offended. She was like, no, no, no. I was a man. Um, but I always felt like I was supposed to be a woman. And now I am, you know, like, and, and I might not look like your classic woman, but that doesn't mean that I, that I don't, that I'm not allowed to be one that I, that I can't identify as one. And if I am a woman, then he is with a woman and not a man, therefore not gay. And it was just this moment where I was like, ah, all right. I get it. A little bit. Like a little bit. I understand. And I and I remember just learning more and more. I only had that job for like one summer. Um there was two things happening. I was gonna start going to Stony Brook and dorming. And I was only going to be able to work like weekends if I came back every weekend. And I also think that, I think that the guy that hired me, he had, he had a good amount of money. And when he offered me that, he thought that was fair. But then I, I truly think maybe he felt like I was just being paid too much to, to do, you know, shit that probably could be done by someone else that's already being paid. Maybe the manager or something, you know? Um, maybe he didn't really need a personal assistant. I was, you know, I was an assistant to him, you know, so I did whatever he wanted, I, which meant, you know, go to the store for him if you want. I was a gopher, essentially. I was a glorified gopher. Uh, but, you know, on my resume, it read as personal assistant to the owner of three different restaurants. I, I named two. He had a Mexican restaurant. Um, oh, I forgot what it was called. It was a cantina's bar and grill. Um, not too far away, a couple blocks away. But, yeah, so looks good on my resume. But I think I was just paid too much for not doing enough and being pretty young. But that summer at Lips, it really, um, it really molded me a lot. It really, I think it changed my life. To be honest with you, um, definitely for the positive. Um, it was just, uh, it it made me just so. I don't know, just so aware, and so happy. That I was, man, you know what? Like, it sucks. But at that time, I just remember thinking, like, man, I, I know so many homophobic people. And it was just, unfortunately, so much more uh, that 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 negative feeling, uh, that negative attitude was so much more prevalent 20 years ago than it is now. Um, and I'm much, I'm very glad that it's not that way now. But you would definitely have... You know, friends when you were in high school in the early 2000s that were just so homophobic. Oh, that's gay. F-bomb this, F-bomb that, whatever. You heard that word so much back in the day, unfortunately. Now, you, now you know, it's it's been little by little eradicated. And uh, I remember just get, having this job. I was very sad when I, I was fired. I was let go at the end of the summer, right at, right at the end of the summer. And it was cool because I went back. To, I went. I started 
a new life at Stony Brook University, and it was fucking awesome, even though I failed out, but whatever. Um, I remember just feeling like I, I left a better person. Like I, I, Thankfully, I was never really that homophobic person because of what I said earlier, but I left there feeling so much more enlightened, uh, and I definitely... I definitely just looked at at um, the people in my life that were so flippantly homophobic, very differently, and was more vocal about it too. And um, yeah, I'm happy to say that. Like, to, I was gonna say to this day, to this day, today, I don't, I don't think I have a very homophobic circle of friends at all. Um, if anything, I created distance from my friends that were that way. And the ones that thought it was okay to speak in, in certain ways or use certain words don't do it anymore. And when they, if they ever do, we, we shoot them down. That job was awesome. Um, unfortunately, my jobs after that were some shitty jobs like Old Navy and Gap and Coach and whatever. Nah, Coach wasn't that bad. Old Navy and Gap sucked, though. But also, those weren't that interesting. It was uh, the only interesting jobs I've ever had was lips. And then fast forward to my life as a bartender. That's what's worth talking about. <laughs> uh, shout out to lips. Shout out to everyone that, that, that educated and stupid, naive little boy, little 19 year old teenager, not treating him like shit, but instead uh, embracing him. And uh, and making him a better person, truly. Um, really positive impact. I, I love that job, and um, yeah, I, I I hope that everyone that that I worked with is is still thriving in some way or another. Maybe I got to go back to Lip someday. I don't think anyone that I know still works there, but might be might be fun to check out. Anyways, that's it for me, guys. Like I said, hopefully, um, hopefully this week turns out uh, good, and and I get you know, like I said, I, I have three interviews lined up back to back to back. Let's hope that they work out. You know, best case scenario, all three work out. Worst case scenario, none of them work out. But I think I can at least get one or two, right? Let's do it, man. Uh, and like I said, if you want to be a guest on this show, just let me know. Slide into my DMs. It's no big deal. I want to do this, dude. You'll be doing me a favor. Trust me. Uh, that's it, man. That's all I got. Thank you guys for listening once again. Be sure to do me a favor. You know that favor, but I'm still going to ask it anyways. Follow me on all platforms. Instagram, YouTube, Twitter. I mean, X, TikTok, Twitch, Threads, Spotify. My name is at I'm Will Bryant. That's three words. I'm Will Bryant. B-R-Y-A-N-T. Like Kobe. Thank you guys once again. I love you. Until next time. Peace.